today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Two more policy conventions coming up this weekend, which is highly unusual to have them on the same weekend. Uh, both the NDP and Liberals are going to be doing this virtually, of course, because of what's going on with COVID. And for the most part, you might look at this and say, well, that's a pretty lame stuff. Who really cares about this sort of thing? Well, don't forget the Conservatives did theirs a couple of weeks ago, and it was not without controversy. Or the, the motion, of course, about uh, climate change and all these sorts of things, and Aaron O'Toole trying to backtrack on that, and it got kind of messy for the party, and they had to do a lot of damage control. Uh, not so sure what's going to happen this weekend, although the potential seems to be there uh, for some of the NDP motions. Uh, the additions of these things can actually have a, a real impact on public perception. Rob Westgate has some, an outline for us. Carney's appearance at the convention in conversation this evening with rookie Liberal MP and convention co-chair Marcy Ian has many suggesting that it could signal an intention to finally take the plunge into politics. Carney quietly flirted with the idea of a leadership run back in 2012. At the time, he was being courted by the Liberals, who were smarting from a historic electoral thumping and desperately searching for a savior. Rob Westgate, the Canadian Press. So what's going to happen here? I mean, this this is a tale of two different parties who are in different places at this time. Uh, the Liberals obviously are, are, I guess, slightly encouraged about the fact that their numbers seem to be a little bit better than they were even a month or so ago uh, when it comes to national polling. The NDP uh, looking for an identity. They're both parties that could use a, an injection of public support right now, and I'm not so sure if what's going to happen this weekend is actually going to do that for them. Uh, joining us to talk about all this is uh, Bradley Metlin, who is a consultant with Upstream Strategy Group. Uh, Bradley, thanks uh, for the time. Great to have you with us today. Thanks. Nice to be here, Bill. Let's let's talk a little bit about these, and we'll start off with the liberal uh, situation here. This is the governing party, albeit in a minority situation. Mm-hmm. To suggest that they've had their problems over the last uh, six or eight months, I guess, would be a massive understatement uh, with what's gone on with the vaccine rollout and a number of other things that have gone on, and uh, a lot of the premiers pointing the fingers at them, but you know, they still seem to be doing relatively well in the polling. Uh, I had one of my... Uh, colleagues uh, compare what was going on here and suggest that look at the liberal thing this weekend is really a precursor to the next leadership race because uh, that seems to be the question he says most of the delegates are asking well who's going to run against true is, is Trudeau even going to run and if he is uh, for the leadership again uh, it, you know where's Christian Freeland where's Mark Carney on this uh, that seems to be the subplot to what's going on right well I think the prior to this convention, the Liberals were trying to produce this image that it was going to be a tame affair. There wasn't going to be much going on. They had no contentious policy resolutions on the table. But as you said, the big behind-the-scenes story is whether it will be Christopher Freeland or Mark Carney who ends up taking the Liberal leadership going into the next election. And it's interesting when you think about this because Mark Carney is, you know, the former governor of the Bank of Canada former governor of the Bank of England, uh, liberal in the style of, you know, what you would expect from Paul Martin, who was supposed to be, you know, at last night's uh, liberal convention. And so there's this kind of proxy war going on and nobody knows what's going to happen. But when you look at where the liberals are, the liberals are really in quite a great position. I mean, as you said, the polls have them, you know, 10 points up, uh, which is a very good place to be. And, you know, given the COVID-19 pandemic, it's a great time to be an incumbent government. We've seen that from coast to coast. You know, Newfoundland, their incumbent liberal government just got reelected. John Horgan went to the polls. He got reelected. Saskatchewan, they got reelected. People right now have a really positive outlook on their incumbent governments. So if, you know, the Trudeau uh, liberals wanted to plunge the country into an election, I don't think they would necessarily be a bad place to do that because the political winds seem to be in their favor. 
But what about this leadership situation? By the way, we should just <laughs> remind our listeners that there's no indication at all from the, from Justin Trudeau that he's going anywhere. Uh, but there have been some rumblings because of the minority government, because of the Wee scandal, and, and a number of other things uh, that maybe his best before date is fast approaching, and maybe it's time for some fresh blood at the top. Uh, I, I'm not so sure that he concurs with that, but I mean, you know, it, when it happens, I mean, because we've, we've seen an awful lot of the time these discussions go on, and, and the person at the top is the last one to actually figure this out. I mean, with, you know, the, the Paul Martin campaign before Jean Gretchen decided to step down right. uh, was pretty overt, and I, I, it's it's not at that stage yet with the Liberals, uh, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Right. Well, I mean, Christopher Freeland is definitely seen as the continuity candidate, right? Uh, she's been Justin Trudeau's right-hand woman for the past uh, two years, certainly, but even before that, she was you know quite a prominent place in the government, and it, but but it's important to keep in mind that. The Liberal Party, as it currently is, Justin Trudeau has been leader since 2013, and that party has gone through a complete revamp of what it was. I mean, this is not Paul Martin's Liberal Party. This is not the Liberal Party of even 10 years ago. So there's going to be have to be some sort of soul searching going on when they do uh, go into the next leadership race. Because if you look at the policy resolutions that are on the table, that kind of gives you a temperature check of where the party is at. Uh, they're going to be talking about things like universal basic income, a green economic recovery, maybe something similar to the Green New Deal that they talk about down south. So these are not policies that you could think of uh, coming from somebody, you know, the liberals in the 1990s. This isn't the Red Book kind of situation. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you look at things, where you look at where Mark Kearney is, where his uh, policy inclinations are, who he is is just a person. That's not really where the Liberal Party is at now. Perhaps if Justin Trudeau were to leave, is, would they revert to that? I'm not necessarily sure. You have to keep in mind, too, one of the big things they did uh, under Justin Trudeau was they made memberships free um, for all, everybody who wants to. So usually when you join a political party, you have to pay a membership fee. But for the Liberal Party, you don't have to. And what that means is anybody can sign up. So you really have an incentive if you're running for leader to speak to the base, to really put forward policy ideas and a persona that really speaks to the activist base. And it's about turning people out more so than in past elections. So can Mark Carney do that? I guess we'll see tonight when he speaks at the convention. He maybe will be able to read the tea leaves a little better. But right now, it's hard to see where he fits in to this current Liberal Party. Well, you're right, and and I guess one of the questions they have to ask themselves, and by that I mean the Liberals themselves, is, uh, you know, do they want to, they may have to change horses depending on what's going on, but do they want to change direction? Uh, and, and you're right, I mean, Mark Carney's CV is, is, is quite impressive, uh, and, and as, a, as a, a, a Liberal, if that's the way he seems to be leaning here, I mean, he's, as you mentioned, the, of the ilk of Paul Martin and John Manley, that sort of, and, and the, the, those people held the party in very good stead during their time, but you're right, they've moved away from that. Uh, to a large extent, and uh, I don't know. You know, if they've won the last two elections, it looks as if they're in pretty good shape in this one. Did they simply want to try to change the brand right now? I'm not so sure that would be smart for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the branding is necessarily the problem. I think they, again, they, they've kind of, I, I can't think of a time during Justin Trudeau's mandate where he's really kind of fallen behind, except when he was getting absolutely hammered for a few months over the SNC-Lavalin scandal. But pretty yeah. much he's been riding high in the polls. So I don't know if they really need a huge brand change. It might just be a matter of, okay, well, Justin Trudeau, you know, if they were to win the next election, it would be a majority government. 
he would have been around by that point for nine years. You know, that's a long time in politics and, you know, 2021. So they might say it might be time to just change the face. But the branding itself has been largely successful for them. So I don't know if they necessarily need to change gears that much. I don't think like if you think about the conservative party, they certainly have a bit of a branding issue on hand. They need to Mm -hmm. kind of figure out what kind of party they're going to present to Canadians. But I think the liberals definitely know what their brand is and people can either take it or leave it. And as we've seen, for the most part, they seeming to be taking it. So I don't know if they need to really change the brand. The strategy here is going to be fascinating. And again, this is all speculative because like I said, the, mm-hmm. the, so the prime minister is not saying stepping down. Uh, but because, because the other plan here that may well be in place is that Trudeau leads them into the next election and then steps down, you know, some months after that and, and they're changing the guard, which is not unusual. That's happened in Canadian politics as well. But, uh, he may be kind of feeling, look at, I, you know, I, I, I'm the one that got these people back up to where they are right now with this 10 point lead. Uh, I got to lead one last charge. I, and again, we, we don't know how this is going to happen, but, uh, you're, you're right. We, I think we already know what Krista Freeland's all about and we know about her track record right. and her negotiations with the, with the Trump uh, regime, of course, to do with the, the trade deals and everything else. Like this and and she's held in pretty high regard internationally so you know that what mm-hmm. she's all about mark carney is he he has to define himself tonight doesn't he well absolutely i mean we we can again kind of get a sense of where he is you know based on his prior positions as the governor of the bank of england and then before that governor of the bank of uh, canada he he's you know spoken about things like wealth inequality which certainly the liberal party is all about he's spoken about climate change which is you know, one of the top issues for Liberal Party delegates um, looking forward. So I think he's kind of, you know, hinted that he has kind of some of the broad strokes in terms of the economic policy that the Liberal Party would want to be about. But as you certainly said, he needs to lay out kind of what is his overarching vision. If he is, if, again, if this is, if politics is what he wants to pursue if he wants to do that through the Liberal Party. He really has to convince them that he is the person to do this. And um, it will be really interesting to see what he what he does, because, you know, as the, one of the chief economists in Canada, his job isn't really to wade into politics. We haven't heard him say that many political comments before. We don't know where what his opinions are on, you know, the social issues of the day. We can infer what they are, um, but, but we don't really know. All he's really talked about is, you know, the economic situation of the countries that he's kind of presided over um, as the chief economist. We don't really know much more about his politics, so it'll be interesting to see tonight for sure. Bradley, let's uh, look at the other convention that was going on this week, and of course that being the federal NDP. Uh, right. And, and you talk about a, te- a team looking for an identity right now. Uh, right. We, we know that the, you know, they're going to try to claim, you know, if in fact the, the, the national daycare program is rolled out in this budget, and it's, the expectation is that's going to happen. Uh, I'm sure Jagmeet Singh is going to say, look, I'm the guy that, that forced them into doing this, you know, just, uh, and, and that's going to be something they're going to try to stick their flag into. I get that. But boy, they've got some issues. I mean, some of the stuff that, that's being proposed. An understatement. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, not the least of which, by the way, is is the, the 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 brand that some people are saying is that this is a party that 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 is anti-Semitic, and and you know there've been some people that have been very outspoken about that, Sven Robinson and others, in the past, and and that's hanging over their head right now. But the definition of anti-Semitism, and uh, that that's going to be a discussion point. Uh, you've got. One motion that's suggesting that they they you know abolish the Canadian military. Uh, another one that you tax millionaires and billionaires at one hundred percent. Uh, 
Uh, this is not the sort of stuff that gets you elected. Now, I, we don't know how many of those are actually going to make it in uh, to the final vote about how policy is going to be determined. But the fact that they're even floating them, Bradley, uh, tells you that. Well, uh, yeah. th- well, give me your read on what you've seen. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you think about the situation, you can say to yourself, oh, the, for example, the one that's getting, I think, the most amount of attention is the uh, policy motion to abolish the military and then place all the uh, veterans and armed service members into the bureaucracy to be, I don't know, working at, you know, Service Ontario or Service, like, where, where are they going to work? But that that's the big policy one, I think, that's getting the most amount of attention. And I, I, I just cannot imagine how this came to be because think about it for a minute you know you have the not somebody would have had to think about it this right like an ndp member would have had to come forward and say you know what i want to write this motion to abolish the military then you had a riding association in this case i think it's the dyna fort york in downtown toronto you had a riding association come on board and say you know what we're going to endorse this so you had more people come together and say this is a sensible policy uh, idea that we need to discuss. And then you had the federal NDP, their top brass looked at these policies and said, you know what, let's put this forward and have a conversation at the convention about it. So this went through a series of checks and balances, and the NDP still thought this would be a worthwhile thing to talk about. And, you know, you can argue about whether, you know, this is something that the uh, NDP government would actually do or whatnot. But the fact is, this from the top down was something that the NDP decided was worthwhile to have a conversation about. It, it, it boggles the mind, really, because who, who is talking about this? I don't think the folks of Hamiltonville are talking about, you know, let's abolish the military. If you went down to the local legion and said that, I think their jaws would hit the floor. So I, I don't know what the, what, 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 what's the good idea. For, for the NDP to do this is not going to get them both. I don't think it makes them an appeal appealing party. And I think it's really, for voters, they're going to look at something like that and say, it's not serious. How could that be a serious policy proposal? You know what boggles so, the imagination think- here is uh, there have been attempts. Uh, let's face it. I mean, you know, for generations now, I guess, really, there's been a discussion about you know, are the NDP going to move into the 21st century? They still seem to be stuck in, you know, you know, the union thing and and you know that sort of thing and clinging Tommy Douglas as as, as you know the the. the the characterization of what the party is uh, and Jack Layton to a certain extent and, and I guess even Tom Mulcair uh, tried to move the party away from that into a more mainstream not necessarily middle but a little bit not quite as left as they used to be uh, obviously right. Layton passed away but and, and Mulcair got dumped at a policy convention after the right. uh, the election where Trudeau got elected uh, boy who saw that coming uh, but they, they seem to have retrenched themselves back into these other things. They don't seem to be uh, or want to be a party that's going to be relevant in the 21st century. They're clinging to these old values uh, that wealth is bad and, and you know, the, everybody who has made money is, is evil and they don't care about anybody else. Uh, and I, I just don't see that, you know, I don't see that. You run that up the flagpole and not too many people are going to salute. I don't see that as a, a solution for them. But they, they, as you say, they still seem to be clinging to this. Well, you know, look, there's, as a young person myself, you talk to any group of young people, whether the conservative, NDP, Green, liberal supporters, and they'll say one of the biggest concerns they have is how they're going to buy a house, right? 
Yeah. And so the, so there, that is a concern for people, you know, and, and part of that conversation, kind of what's intertwined in that is conversations around maybe income inequality and wealth inequality in this country. So the NDP certainly have an avenue to explore. All parties do, frankly, on the housing issue. But the NDP in particular have really carved this kind of stance on in a, income inequality in recent years. So they could be talking about this in a way that really appeals to a lot of uh, young people. And they've just kind of failed to do that. I mean, dumping Tomo Care is really the canary in the coal mine, in my opinion, for the way the direction in which the NDP were going to go. So, like, back up for a minute. At 2011, they had their electoral breakthrough under Jack Layden, somebody who, as you correctly pointed out, was more moderate, more reasonable seeming, uh, was a leader that a lot of Canadians could get on board and vote for. And what do they do? They pick somebody after his death, Tom Mulcair, who is similar, who wants to move the party in a similar direction. He goes into 2015. The liberals kind of outflank them on the left in some key ways, which is fascinating to think about. But the liberals kind of do that. The NDP lose a good chunk of their seats, but they still have, I think it was their second best showing ever. And what do the activists and the radical <laughs> advocates in the NDP do they say, we're going to dump Tom Care, the person who got us our second best showing ever. We're going to dump him. And they go to Jagmeet Singh, who in 2019 led them to e- even deeper seat, lo- seat loss. They lost all their seats in Quebec. They lost seats across the country. And Jagmeet Singh came out and it was like a victory party. He was so celebratory. And you have to think to yourself and you say, am I watching a parallel universe where the NDP has swept to victory? Because that was the vibe. So I, I, I don't know if they if they think the seat count they got in 2019 is their high watermark and is a source of victory, then sure. Keep putting forward these proposals. They'll appeal to a swath of people. But if they really want to be a serious party and govern forward, they really, really need to maybe take a page out of Rachel Motley's book in Alberta, even maybe Andrew Horrath, um, Hamilton's own in Ontario, mm-hmm. and look at the policies that they're going to put forward. Well, um, and because, not, not least yeah. a great example. I know we're just about out of time, but i, mm-hmm. I got to comment on that because I think you raise a very, very important point here, Brad. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Notley was a pragmatist. I mean, she's certainly NDP mm-hmm. and espoused the NDP philosophy, but she said, I, hey, I'm in Alberta. Hello. Uh, and don't forget, yeah. when she took over that party and actually eventually won the, the election and became the premier, that was the same NDP party that in that convention, A, dumped Tom Mulcair, and B, embraced the Leap Manifesto, which essentially said shut down the, the fossil fuel industry. Uh, uh, and and certainly she backed away from that and said that's not me that's not mm-hmm. my NDP, uh, but they seem to still be embracing that. I mean th- these guys can't seem to help themselves when they get into situations like that. Uh, pragmatism is is not something that seems to run rampant within that party, uh, and well we'll see what happens. I mean uh, it, there's always going to be surprises in these things, but uh, as you say there's a a recipe for disaster that could be happening with the NDP with an election imminent. We'll see what happens. Uh, always uh, great to get perspective on this, Brad. Thanks so much for the time today. Uh, love to talk to you about Thank this you. Uh, after the fact and see just uh, where the dust has settled on this. For sure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care. Bradley Battle, of course, consultant with Upstream Strategy Group, talking about uh, the political strategy of the NDP and the uh, Liberal Policy Conventions coming up this weekend. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.